Parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. As you can probably hear, my voice is a little off today, so I apologize. I'm recovering from the adult version of RSV, which has circulated through our household, along with pretty much every other back-to-school germ there is, I think. Um, But I wanted to still record this episode, so hopefully it's not too distracting. And I hope that your family has fared a little better than ours in the back-to-school germs arena. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about why I don't like calling kids defiant. We're also going to talk about a few other really unhelpful labels, and we're going to talk about labels in general and why they are not helpful for us to parent in a way that feels good for us and for our kids, which if you've been listening for a while, you know that that's the goal here. Really, I am trying to support you to parent in a way that truly feels good, that feels aligned. But I think when we start using words like defiant to describe our kids, we end up putting ourselves in a mindset where it's impossible to connect with our child, where it's impossible to get curious. I think all labels kind of create some distance between us and our child. So even when we tell our kids well-intended things like, you're so pretty, or you're so smart, or you're so athletic, even these seemingly positive labels can have a heavy influence on our kids and actually make it harder for them to develop real self-esteem. I talk a lot about this idea in the episode I did a while back on praise. So I'm not a fan of labels in general, but when it comes to these really negative labels like defiant that we have started to use when it comes to our kids, it really creates a divide in the parent-child relationship. And that is the opposite of what we're going for here. So I'm going to talk about why that happens. We're going to talk about the behaviors that kind of lead us to call our kids defiant and what's really going on there and why when we start to label the behavior as defiant, why it does take us into a place where we cannot get curious and where we cannot really support our child. Shifting out of this place where we use labels like defiant or lazy or manipulative or bad to describe our kids really requires a mindset shift. It really requires us to stay in a mindset where we see our child's inherent goodness through the hitting, through the scratching, through the no, I won't, right? We've got to hold that sense of our child is good because if we don't, they will never be able to believe that. This is so important. Now, you're not going to be able to do this just like with anything in parenting. You're not going to be able to do this perfectly. But if we become aware of how we're talking about our kids and even how we're thinking about our kids, right? So even if your child never hears you call them defiant, even if it's just in your own internal process, it can still be a term that creates distance, that makes it harder for you to parent in a way that feels good. And so we have to be really mindful of how we are thinking about and talking about our kids, even if they are not in the room, right? 
And so toward that end, I want to remind you that I have an amazing free guide that is a wonderful starting place. If you're trying to shift your perspective, trying to shift your mindset into a place where you really can hold on to that sense of your child as a good kid who's struggling in those really hard moments, right? Because when we see behavior as defiant, right? When we see it as bad behavior, we are going to have a really hard time connecting with our child. That pits us against our child, puts us on the opposite team. And so this guide is such a great starting place. These six mindset shifts are the six shifts that I really found were the most integral into my own shift, into being in a place where I felt like I was parenting in alignment. And so you can get your copy today totally free. Go to raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. And there's even a page that you can print out, carry with you, stick on your mirror, whatever, right? Like in those moments where you start to feel words like defiant coming up for you, go grab your copy and read through these mindset shifts. So that's raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. Okay. So I think, you know, we've been calling kids defiant and lazy and bad and manipulative for years. And just to insert like two seconds of historical context here, you know, the field of child psychology is relatively new in the context of how long we've been studying humans and how long we've been studying human psychology. So for a very long time, we believed that kids were basically just little adults and we thought of them in that way. And that showed in how we raised up our kids, right? Kids were raised up to basically be little adults. So as soon as they were physically capable, they joined the workforce. And we had no idea what was going on with brain development. We had no idea the attachment needs that kids had. You've probably heard the idea that children should be seen and not heard, right? We've all heard that. And I think for most of us, it is wild to think that that was how children were thought of. But we are not so far removed from that. The bulk of the research we have on attachment actually has come about in the last 40 years. We're talking about starting in the 1970s and 80s, so 40 to 50 years. Attachment as a concept wasn't even introduced until the 1950s. So we are not far removed from this idea that children are little adults and children should be seen and not heard. And the earliest understandings of children were not very kind, certainly not informed, and very behaviorally based. What I mean by that is that we looked only at the surface behaviors and we divided them into categories, good behaviors and bad behaviors, right? Hitting was bad. Listening was good. We used punishments to stop the bad behaviors and rewards to increase the good behaviors. And you can see now where so much of what is still touted as good parenting, right? What is still promoted as good discipline tactics, it comes from that very behavioral approach where we're just looking at the surface. We're just looking at the behaviors that we see. And in these approaches, we're not looking deeper. We're not looking underneath the behavior to see the why behind the behavior. What need isn't getting met? What skill is missing? This way of thinking about kids is relatively new. And so from this very behavioral understanding of kids, which as you now know, misses a big piece of the full puzzle, it really isn't a generous interpretation of why kids do what they do. And so from that naturally comes terms like defiant. 
I mean, if you've been punishing and rewarding your child and your child is still doing these behaviors that are giving you such a hard time, what other explanation is there other than that this child is just defiant? This child is clearly trying to push your buttons, right? When we think about defiant, we think about a kid who is sitting there going, no, I won't do it and willing themselves not to do what you're asking them to do. It is very purposeful. It is very personal. It is, I will not do what you want me to do. That's when we call kids defiant, right? When they are telling us no, when they are refusing to do what we're asking, when they are looking at us and continuing to do the thing we just ask them not to do. That's when the word defiant comes up. And the reason I am encouraging you to wipe this word from your vocabulary is because when you start to label your child as defiant in that moment, we give in to all of the narratives telling us this is bad behavior. I have a bad kid. I must not be a good enough parent if my kid is acting like this. I've really got to step up the punishments or get tougher because my kid is clearly walking all over me. We let those narratives take over and we cement this idea of us against our child because defiant, a child who is being defiant, that feels very much in opposition to us. That feels very much other team. And here's the thing, parenting in that way, where your child is on a team that is opposite of you, where if you win, your child loses. And if your child wins, you lose. That kind of parenting is never going to feel good, not for you and not for your child. So we really want to be thinking about what is the kindest interpretation of this behavior? Because the least kind interpretation is where we just look at the surface, we look at the behavior, and we say, oh, this kid's being so defiant. But the most generous, the kindest interpretation of that behavior looks deeper than just those surface behaviors. It looks at what's going on for my child right now. What does my child need? What skill is my child missing that this keeps coming up? My child is resisting me. Does my child need an emotional release? Because a lot of times our kids resist us when they need an emotional release. Our boundaries, our limits, our lines in the sand often provide our kids the opportunity to spill out a little water from that metaphorical emotional water pitcher that I talked a lot about a few weeks ago when we talked about meltdowns. So sometimes when our kids dig their heels in, and they refuse, and they say, no, I won't. I don't care what you're asking me to do. I'm not going to do it. Sometimes they need us to hold that line so that they can fall apart. That is a valid emotional need. So the kindest interpretation of the behavior looks not just at what's happening on the surface, but we get curious about what else is going on underneath. And you will not do this perfectly. I do not do this perfectly. It's really hard sometimes, actually. And that's okay. But our goal should be to try to stay in that mindset of seeing our child's goodness through the tough behaviors, of holding on to a sense of good kid who's having a hard time, not bad kid who's being defiant. And these labels like defiant, manipulative, lazy, bad, these labels put us in a mindset where we can't access that curiosity. It's like a wall, right? It keeps us from accessing the curiosity. It keeps us stuck on the surface. Now, if you find yourself 
thinking like this, it should be a red flag to you, like a flashing red light that says, oof, I am in that place. I am in that mindset where I can't connect with my child. It's like there's a wall right now between me and my child. And what do I need to do to break down that wall? Maybe I need to pause, take a deep breath, and offer my child a hug. Maybe I need to step away for a minute and regulate myself. Go look at my six mindset shifts, right? Maybe I need to say to my child, I don't like how I'm talking to you right now. I don't like how this interaction between us is going. Can we have a do-over? Or can we take a quick time out together and just try to get back to a place where we can talk to each other without both of us feeling so frustrated? Whatever it is that you need to do to break down that wall, do the thing. And if you're not able to break down that wall in the moment, then you go to your child later and you repair. One thing I like to say to my kids in the moment, I have taught them the phrase behavior is communication. So they know this language. And so sometimes in the moment, I will just say to them, okay, I know behavior is communication. So what do you think is going on here? And my oldest especially will sometimes look at me and go, okay, I'm tired, I'm stressed, and I just need a minute, right? So he'll just let me know whatever's going on. And sometimes he's not aware and that's okay too. But what that does when I say, okay, behavior is communication, this we know. So what do you think is going on? It doesn't mean my child has to know in that moment what's going on. It means that I'm communicating, hey, I see you. I know you're a good kid who's having a hard time. I want to understand. I want to help you. I don't want to focus on the behavior right now. I want to focus on you and what you need. That message, even if we don't solve the need underneath the behavior in that moment, that message is gold because that communicates to your child that you are holding that sense of them as good through the difficult moment. So I've alluded to the fact that the back to school transition has been kind of rough for us this year. We have a kindergartner and a third grader, and both of those are kind of big years in elementary school. Kindergarten is just a big deal because it's the first year of elementary school. And in third grade, at least here in North Carolina, we go from learning to read to reading to learn and lots of testing. And so the academic demands increase a lot. And it's a really intense transition, even for kids like mine who love school and tend to do pretty well. So when they come home, there's lots of feelings and those feelings come out with us at home because we're the safe attachment figures. And these feelings tend to spill out even through the weekends right now because school is still relatively new. We're not that far into the school year. And so we've been dealing with lots of behaviors that on the surface can look defiant. So here's an example of how that played out for us this week. We have signed both of our older kids up for soccer because they love soccer. Yet, when it came time for soccer practice this week, my oldest was like, no, I'm not going. You're horrible parents if you make me go. I'm not doing this. And that was tough. And of course, we held space like, oh, you really don't want to go. I really get that. But he just kept saying no just refusing, just digging his heels in. And it took a lot of staying curious and holding the boundary with love and kindness and empathy. I get that you really don't want to go to soccer right now, that right now it feels really hard to do. And also we made a choice to do this. We're going to see it through. So I know it feels really hard to go right now. And I want to hear all about why it feels that way, but we're going to get our stuff on and we're going to go to the car. And we held this line and the whole way 
to practice, which he did get in the car, there was this emotional release, this falling apart. I wasn't the one who drove to soccer, but my partner said it was a really good conversation. A lot of feelings were shared. A release was had. And when he got there, he had an awesome time and he got home and he said, you know, I just, I needed to say no, but I really did want to go. And I really did have an awesome time. And next week I'm not going to push back. Now he might still push back when it comes time for soccer practice next week. But the important thing here is that this behavior that looked so defiant so just like, no, I'm digging my heels in. I'm not doing this. You're a terrible mom because you're making me do this. This could be seen as defiant behavior. But really what this was, was a child needing to have an emotional release. He'd had a long day at school and now he was having to go do this other thing when what he wanted to do was just kind of sit and be, right? And maybe that is what he needed to do in that moment. But at the same time, he also really wants to play soccer. This is something that is coming from him. And so it was important that we held that boundary that we're going to do this. We're going to evaluate at the end of the season if you want to take it up again. But right now we're going to do this. I know it feels really hard. And in doing that, we allowed him to have the release that he needed to have. Now, if we had gotten bigger and stronger and scary and said, if you don't get in the car right now, you are not having TV for the rest of the week, right? If we had turned to punishment, if we had let that sort of triggered state push us to react instead of respond, then we may have had the same outcome. He might've gone to soccer. He might've hated it because he wouldn't have had the chance to release the emotions he needed to release beforehand. He might've had a hard time at practice, which again would have created negative associations with soccer. But the thing is, this wasn't about soccer. This was about needing an emotional release and our triggered headspace can get in the way of that when we don't see it for what it is. And also that triggered headspace can cause us to react to our kids in a way that makes it not safe for them to have that much needed emotional release, right? We can get bigger and stronger and scary and use punishments. And that shuts down the process of our child being able to safely release a little bit of water from that pitcher when they need to. And so it's so important to just be mindful of the fact that when we are in that triggered headspace, we can't respond effectively. And I say triggered here because I think it's really key to just acknowledge the fact that Part of the reason we struggle around this particular label of defiance is because we really are triggered. I would say collectively when our kids tell us no, when our kids look at us and refuse to do the thing that we are asking them to do or refuse to stop doing the thing that we are asking them not to do, that feels really, really hard. And it is such a common parenting trigger. And so because of that, I want to dedicate a whole episode to understanding why in the world we get so triggered when our kids tell us no. So that's going to be next week's episode. Stay tuned for that because I think it is going to be a really helpful and informative episode. If you are someone who finds yourself getting so triggered and frustrated when your child tells you no, starting to feel like, what's wrong with me? Questioning whether this gentle, respectful, conscious parenting is even for you. You are not alone. And next week's episode is going to really be helpful for you. Because once we understand what is happening when we get triggered, then we can start to work with it and we can start to shift how we're showing up in those moments. But for now, let's just all remember to use these labels when they come up in our minds about our kids, let's remember to use them as red flags, as flashing red lights that say, whoa, slow down. 
You are building a wall between you and your child right now. You are only looking at the surface. Let's take a step back and get curious. So when you start to see your child as defiant, when you start to see your child as manipulative, when your child is asking for something or your child, this comes up a lot around what we call fake crying, which isn't a thing. Any kind of crying is a real expression of emotional need. But often parents look at these behaviors and think, oh, she's just looking for attention. She's just manipulating me. Kids aren't manipulative. Kids are just trying to get their needs met in whatever way they can. So when you start to think of your child as manipulative or lazy, this is another one that comes up for parents. And your child's not doing what you're asking them to do when they're resisting doing chores or helping out around the house, when their room is a mess, when they're having a hard time doing the things that they agreed to do. Lazy can come up, but kids aren't lazy. Kids might be having a hard time in a given moment. Let's get curious about why. So when these labels start to come up, even in our own thinking, Let's use them as a clue to say, hey, wait a minute, I need to step back. I am thinking in a way that's putting me on the opposite team as my child, and there is no way that I can parent in a way that feels good for both of us when I'm in this mindset. I've got to take a step back. I've got to get my head in the right place so that I can come back and get curious about what's going on and parent in a way that really helps both of us, that meets both of our needs. So, I hope that this is a helpful deep dive into why I don't like calling kids defiant and why it can be harmful even if you're not saying it out loud. And stay tuned for next week where we're going to kind of do a part two of this episode and really look at why do we get so triggered when our kids tell us no. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.